All right. Hello, friends, and welcome to Robcast number 37. This episode is sugar-free, <laughs> which I can't say without laughing. Um, okay, first off, thank you so much for giving to my birthday campaign through Charity Water. Uh, we raised over $100,000 to get people access to clean water who don't have it. So to all those who contributed, a thousand thanks. And then second, um, I'm so thrilled to tell you that my first show at Largo will be October 10th. Largo is a club here in LA, and uh, I often meet people who say, oh yeah, Largo, best place in Los Angeles to see a show. And I have this extraordinary opportunity um, to do a show there. So October 10th, you can get tickets at LargoLA.com. Uh, if you're somewhere in the Southern California vicinity, or if you just want to fly in for the night, we'd love to have you. And I'll be doing some uh, some new things I haven't done before. And I have some new ideas, some new content. I'll be introducing you to a beloved friend, and we will uh, see what happens. But I'm really, really excited about it and would love to see you there. And then some of you have asked about... Um, creative process and communication, like how do you put together a talk? How do you memorize a talk? How do you take an idea that's sort of rattling around in your head and heart and actually craft it and shape it into something? So a couple years ago, I did a film series called Poets, Prophets, and Preachers, and it's all about the creative process. It's all about communicating and how do you find the words and how do you know how to put it all together in a way that it's coming from a genuine place within you and it might actually even help some people. So uh, you can go to my site, robbell.com, under Films, Poets, Prophets, and Preachers. It's uh, five films with a running time somewhere around five hours. I think it's over five hours of content about communicating and the creative process. So whether you're a teacher and you give messages or talks or a songwriter or a writer, whatever it is, or if you just find the creative process fascinating, um, those films are at my site. And then a number of you have sent in questions to questions at robbell.com. And you've emailed your questions. And I've done, um, I've worked hard to try and respond to everyone, but it's, there's so many. I, uh, when I do respond, what's interesting is a number of you ask very similar questions. And I think, man, I wish this one response I could share with a bunch of people. So here's what we're going to do uh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and respond to your questions. And so if you have questions, questions at robbell.com, send them that way. And um, if you're not comfortable with your name being used, make one up. Um, so, you know, if I get a question from Rodrigo Josetano Van Salzburg, I'll know that you probably made that up. Or maybe that is your name, therefore, um, I'll feel free to use it. So uh, that's coming up pretty soon. Um, we're doing a bunch of work on that and really um, thrilled for you to have a role in it. So YouTube channel coming. If you have questions, questions at robbell.com. A number of other events and such are coming up, which I'll be telling you about in the next few weeks. And uh, now this episode, of course, is sugar-free. So a number of years ago, I go to the doctor like you do. I go to this new doctor and I basically say, Doc, and I called him Doc, Doc, I should be feeling better. I, I've, I feel like I'm sluggish. I feel like I don't have the energy. And my work, especially like sort of speaking in public, there's this extraordinary adrenaline thing that happens when you're talking to a crowd of people. And then there's the letdown. And then there's, and I, I just was like, well, I'm trying to figure out how to do this and do this well. And I want to be as healthy as possible. And um, 
Doc told me all sorts of things, among them, well, you need to eat better, which at this point, I think you've probably, like me, heard a 9,000 times over the course of your life. Certain foods are better than other foods. And in some senses, he didn't tell me anything I didn't know, but then he did educate me about uh, glycemic index and how certain foods cause sugar spikes and how the body processes different foods differently and breaks them down at different rates. And I learned all of these things and about how the foods that I were eating affected my adrenal glands and cortisol and what was happening to my body overall. And so at the end, I basically learned, like we all did in first grade, that vegetables are really good for you and potato chips aren't that great for you. And so that's well over a decade ago. I have been doing, taking steps to become a healthier person and to eat really well and to get lots of sleep and lots of exercise and all the things that we all know. But there are always those things that you, moments when you think, man, ice cream would be awesome right now. So here's the thing. I want in this episode, this episode is for everybody who has ever had a craving or desire for something that you know isn't the best for you. This episode is for everybody who's ever had a craving or a desire or an urge or a longing for something that you know isn't the best for you. And I know many of you already realize we're talking about way more than food. So first, I wanna offer a couple of observations about cravings, urges, longings, and desires. Um, then I want to talk about the distortion field and the narrowing that can happen in that distortion field of your heart and soul and the imagination and the crisis of imagination that that often brings about. So first, just a couple observations. Then I want to talk about the distortion field of denial and imagination. And then I want to offer some just very practical things that have helped me when it comes to cravings, urges, longings, and desires. So first, have you ever noticed when you're craving something that everything becomes that craving? Have you ever noticed, like, if you're trying to cut down on carbs, the whole world is a donut. Anybody ever had that experience? It dominates your mind. It can easily own you. One, one way that helps me think about this or understand this weird thing that can happen is, here's what I want to do with you. In th I'm going to count down, and in three seconds, I'm going to do a three count. I want you to not think about elephants, okay? So I'm going to count to three in a moment here. And when I do, I want you to not think about elephants. Ready? One, two, three. There. You're not thinking about elephants, right? No images of elephants have presented themselves in the front of your mind. Isn't that amazing how easy that was? No, of course not. None of us can do it. If I tell you not to think about elephants, you're thinking about elephants. There is something about the nature of that which is denied or forbidden that gives it a certain electricity and power. There is something that happens when you say, no, I can't have that, that suddenly it like turbocharges it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Perhaps you've seen this with parents. There, there's a, I call it door number two parenting. There's a thing that can happen when parents say, whatever you do, don't go behind door number two. Door number two is very bad. Avoid door number two at all costs. Man, I don't even want to know that you're even thinking about door number two. If you have a number of kids, there's always the chance that one of your kids is going to be the kid who's like 
suddenly very interested in what's behind door number two. So one of the things about parenting is you have to be careful that you don't give things more power than they deserve. Now, certain things should be avoided. Certain things are awful and destructive and toxic. But there is this thing that happens when you know this isn't the best for you, that everything, when you're supposed to, when you're trying to cut down on carbs, the whole world can sometimes appear like a donut. Second observation, there is a strange and strong connection between our bodies and our minds and our spirits and all the rest of what makes us, us. There is this strange and strong connection between our bodies and our minds and our spirits and all the rest of what makes us, us. How does the sensation of taste or touch or sight, that visceral skin-on-skin feeling, taste buds, how does it make you feel a certain way in your heart? How does a song have the capacity to, to make you tear up? How is it that you can hear a song, sound waves go into your ear, and then fluid comes out the front of your eyes. What, where does that connection come from? You are an integrated being. Everything within you is related to everything else. Have you ever given into something that you know isn't the best for you? You've taken it, ingested it, whatever, and afterwards you feel dark, low, unclean, beaten down like you've got a cloud hanging over you. So sometimes when we're like, well, it doesn't matter what you do with your life, with your body, it does matter. The most obvious, tangible thing about you is your body. Your body can actually be measured and poked and prodded and felt and held and touched. Your body is the most obvious, tangible thing about you, and yet the most tangible element of your being contains bottomless depth and mystery. Or I love it. I was with Deepak Chopra last weekend, and he said, your body is something that is happening within you. (laughs) How fantastic is that? There is you, the breadth and depth and wideness of you. Your body is something that is happening within the larger reality that we know to be you. So when people say, oh, it's just a body, nope. Your skin and your soul are connected. As the great 12th century Sufi mystic Rumi said, you are pure soul and made of the ground. So my doctor essentially lays out, you want to feel great? You really want to feel great. You want to have tons of energy. You want to sleep well. You want to have just be strong for your workouts. You want to be able to do your work um, and not have these giant crashes afterwards. Then here's a way to eat. You're going to need to eat a more restricted diet. You can't just eat everything, which we've all heard a thousand times. Essentially, he says you need to think about food in a whole new way. And there's a number of things that you should avoid. So that's what I set out to do. Uh, And I've noticed over the years that there are a couple of things that happen when you set your intention to live in a better way. There's often a distortion field that kicks in. Have you noticed how when you decide to deny yourself something, how often the distortion field works to make you think that that thing is way better than it actually is? Maybe you've seen this in a... A friend 
got dumped by their boyfriend or girlfriend and suddenly that person that dumped them is perfect and the relationship they had was amazing and yet you were out to lunch with them three weeks ago and you heard them complain about the relationship? How did this person who was incredibly frustrating all of a sudden become awesome? Or uh, your friend loses their job and then they talk about it like it's the end of the world and they talk about how amazing that job was just the greatest job ever. How in the world are they gonna go on without that job? But they were just saying that it's kind of a grind a couple of months ago, right? They weren't waking up every morning saying, I cannot believe I get to go to work. And yet they lose it and suddenly it was perfect. There's an odd thing that can happen when we no longer have something or we choose through our intentionality to avoid it when suddenly all of a sudden potato chips are the most awesome thing in the world. And it's not true. Now, here's the lie that goes on in that distortion field. Let's say there's something that you crave, but you know it's not the best for you. There is this thing that happens in which the craving starts to tell you, it almost taunts you, and it narrows the scope of your joy and happiness down to whatever it is. So joy, happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, these are very, very large, big, wide, infinite possibilities. But what a craving does is a craving says joy and happiness and peace and fulfillment and satisfaction can only come through me, that they are only available to you through this particular substance, person, experience, touch, or sensation. Think about this craving. This one craving is the only delivery system possible for joy and happiness. See, what oftentimes what happens is there's this thing, there's this urge, there's this longing, there's this desire, there's this craving for something, and we become fixated on it, and we want it more than anything because we convince that is the thing that will deliver me joy and happiness. But joy and happiness, my brothers and sisters, have lots and lots of delivery systems. Actually, there's a psalm that begins, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, the power of this prayer, the power of this statement, you can almost repeat it like a mantra, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What it does is its power is in opening you up to a wider vision of the world. So part of the power of the Psalms is you sing them, you chant them, or you repeat them like a mantra, like a prayer. You keep them at the front of your lips. And in the ancient um, traditions, you would keep some of these lines present to remind you that joy is the engine of the universe and joy and happiness and peace and satisfaction and fulfillment can come to us in lots and lots and lots of ways. And what a craving does is it shrinks the goodness of the world down to one thing and says, you need me to be happy, don't you? So part of the challenge when you have a craving that's getting the best of you is you say to the ice cream, I can find joy through other things than you. It's taunting you, you have to talk right back. You have to say things like, really? There's nothing else in the universe that can make me happy? There's nothing else in all of creation? There's nothing but this one particular thing, person, action, substance? Part of the challenge of moving to another place of intentionality in your life is you have to call out the insanity of your cravings, longings, urges, and desires. 
when you discover, because often what happens is you have your life, you have your habits, your patterns, your lusts, your longings, your cravings, your desires, and then there's this thing that happens where there's a disruption. Does this sound familiar? And, and you become aware that not all of this is the best path for you. And you realize that for you to be more, for your life to be more, for you to step into more joy and more fulfillment, there's some things that you're going to need to leave behind. That for you to go to another level of wholeness, health, maturity, some things are going to have to be left behind at, the earlier, at, a, at an earlier level. Some things are not going to be able to go with you into the future. And if you're like me, sometimes there's this moment of like, I can't imagine my life without that. And so what you're really dealing with is a crisis of imagination because those grooves get worn deep, don't they? You get used to your world being a particular way. This is often why people stay in relationships that they know aren't the best for them. I call it WBS, warm body syndrome. They stay with somebody, it's a warm body, and they both would tell you this probably isn't the best. This probably, I know this isn't the best relationship. I know this person isn't the person I could really go the whole way with. But the problem and the reason why they don't part ways is because they can't imagine their life without this person. And yet they know it's not the best. And so the real issue is this is a crisis of imagination. And so sometimes what you need to simply do, you, you can taunt that craving, you can come right back at it with really, you think that the only way joy and happiness come is through you. Another thing that can happen is in the, on the heels of that, you have to open yourself up to, oh, sometimes it's even a prayer. I need imagination here because I'm so stuck. This thing has its claws so deep in me. These grooves are worn over so many years that the idea that I could live without that, the idea that I could be free, it's even hard for my mind to imagine it. Sometimes it's simply like a simple prayer. It's something you repeat. It's something you write out on a piece of paper. It's, it's a mantra. It's, I need imagination because I can't see it right now. And then on the heels of that, Sometimes we, it's about taking one step and then one step and then one step and then one step and just gradually growing as you move from one place to the next. And then sometimes it's moving from one mode to a whole new mode. Sometimes we've been living a particular way and suddenly realize, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to shed that. And so what you really need is a death and a resurrection. I find it fascinating in the New Testament that there's all this great wisdom about how to live. There's all this great guidance. There's all this great teaching about steps you can take, practical things you can do. But then what the writers keep referring to is what they call being in Christ. They talk about a whole new reality. It's not just, hey, you need to move from step one to step two, from step three. But they speak of your old self dying so that a new self can be born that there is a mystery hidden in the fabric of creation, a death and rebirth mystery. And sometimes we're brought to a place where on our own, we've tried and tried and tried and we keep 
feeling like it's one step forward, two steps back. And so we're in the place where literally our prayer is, there's a whole thing here that needs to die. There's a whole element of the way I'm living that just needs to die so that I can experience some new life. Now there's a, a psalm that I absolutely love. And there's a, there's a, it's Psalm 18 and it's, the writer says, God brought me into a spacious place. Now what's really interesting is this idea of a spacious place, a wide place, is an idea that the psalm writers keep referring to. This idea that you can be in a narrow, cramped, confined space and what the divine does is pull you into a wide open space. And often what happens when we have a craving, we have something that's got its hooks in us, some way, some pattern, some habit that we know is bringing us down and it's in the way of us being everything we could be as it gets cramped. That craving says to us, I'm the only shot you have at joy. And so it's a cramped space. And what the divine does when you open up, when you surrender, when you become aware that you may in fact need a death and resurrection, you may need a birth from above, is you are actually asking, I need to be rescued from this narrow, cramped, confined space that limits me, that hems me in, that shrinks the goodness of creation down to just this thing. I need to be brought into a wide open space. Now, a couple of really practical things that have helped me. First, you have to stay here in this moment. And if you're like me, your mind is a roamer. Anybody have a mind like a roamer? It takes off like a kid in a store, right? It wanders all over the place. So when you realize that the next stage of your journey to be even healthier and more whole and more thriving, you're going to need to leave some things behind. For me, it often brings about this, how am I ever going to do that? Oh my, how could I make it through a week? How could, I, how could I pull that off for a month? Really? Like I could go a whole year living like that? Because some of these patterns and habits, they're so sort of fixed. I can't imagine not living like that. And yet, I now have this glimpse of what it, what it could be like, where we could go. So part of the challenge is identifying all of the ways in which your mind takes off running. Really? How are we going to make it through tomorrow? How are you going to make it through a week from now? How are you going to make it? And calling out the insanity of your mind that just wants to roam and saying, what we have is now. We're doing this hour. Then we're doing this afternoon. Then we're doing this evening. Then we're going to sleep, and then tomorrow, when we get there, we'll think about tomorrow. Anybody here, you have some things in your life that are holding you back, and you know it. You have some hatter, some habits, some patterns. You have some cravings. You have some things that own you. They've got themselves wrapped around your ankles. They've seduced you into thinking that they are where the happiness is and you know that you can do better. And yet the thought of how would you get through today without that is just like, I don't even know how I get through the next hour. Your mind wants to roam. And so part of it, like it says in the scriptures, taking every thought captive, 
part of it is simply calling out anytime your mind is not right here. All I have to do is this hour, and all of you in recovery know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who don't, you've seen the bumper sticker, one day at a time. Sometimes it's as simple as, all we have to do is the next hour. All I have to do is get to dinner. All I have to do is today. This is as simple and straightforward as possible, and yet sometimes it's the most revolutionary thing. We don't have to worry about next year or next week. All we got to do is today. Now, a couple thoughts about will. If it's me against the craving, I'm usually in trouble. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If it's just an issue of will, just my willpower against whatever the urge is, man, oh man. How many of you feel like your willpower can seem so strong and then, and then there's like a kryptonite and it just folds in a minute? Uh, you're in this conversation and they know there's this thing that you want to say, but you shouldn't because you know it's the wrong thing to say. And so you're like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And then you just go, and you just say it. And you're like, ah, how could I, why could I not have held my tongue? Here's the thing. If it's your will versus the craving, cravings tend to be so powerful that your will against the craving, not a fair fight. So the thing is, you have to tap into what it is that you want more. You don't battle will against desire. You battle, let a greater desire do battle with a smaller desire. So the thing is, what kind of person do you want to become? What kind of health do you want to have? How much energy do you want to have? How much endurance do you want to have? How do you want to feel? You have to tap in to a vision of what you want your life to be and become so familiar with that vision, with that picture of what could be, that you let your desire for that do battle with your desire for whatever this thing is that's in the way. So here's the thing. I want to be light and fast and fit. I want to have lots of energy. I want to be exploding with energy. I want to have the spinal fortitude to do whatever comes my way. I don't just want to stumble through life. I want to give my best to my family. I want to give my best to my work, to my friends, to the people I run into. I want to feel like I'm fully present here and my body is right there with me being everything it could be so I can be everything I can be. And I want that more than I want Oreos. <laughs> Are you with me on this? You have to do battle with this stuff and you have to do battle with it. You have to play, you have to bring bigger guns to the fight. You know what I'm saying? So if you have some particular craving, but you know it's not the best for you, what is the thing you want more and let the two of them duke it out? What do you want? What do you want? So when you have yourself saying, yes, but I want this other thing so bad. Great. Now, what do you want more? It's not running from desire. And see, so, so many people, the desires, especially when it comes to cravings and things you know aren't the best for you, cravings can be intimidating. Desire can be really confusing. And, and it, can, it can kind of push you around because desire can, can tap into these explosive power within you. So it isn't about running away from your desires. It's not shutting them down. It's going farther into them. 
What do you want even more than that? So let's say you're in one of the, those weird toxic cycles of a relationship where you break up, you get back together, you break up, you get back together, and you kind of want this person, but they kind of drive you completely mental. And you know this thing isn't the best, and your friends are all saying, why are you still with her? Why are you still with him? The question is, what do you want more than that? Do you want a healthy relationship where the two of you are on an adventure together with some zimzum going on? Come on. You have to articulate that desire, go deep in that desire, and you have to let that desire trump other would-be fake imposter desires with something bigger and stronger. And then you have to keep that in front of you all the time. So one of the things is do you have a picture that speaks to you of where you want to go in your life? Do you have some physical object that reminds you of what you know is possible. And you have to keep these possibilities in front of you. Is there a saying, is there a word, is there a phrase, is there a quote that, that reminds you of where you're headed and encapsulates the greater desire that you want, the greater desire that is driving you? And if you have to put it on your refrigerator, if you have to put it on the kitchen counter, if you have to put it on the dashboard of your car, if you have to put it in, at work, if you have to tape it to the front of your computer, if you have to have it tattooed, whatever it is, do not apologize for this sort of stuff. Just do it. I need all the help I can get. I imagine you're like me. Whatever helps you to keep this greater desire in front of you. Keep the vision of the new thing in front of you all the time so that you can keep reminding yourself, this is the thing I'm heading for. It's much, much easier to leave things behind when you have something very powerful pulling you forward. A couple thoughts about will. Uh, will is a strange thing. In some senses, will is what we all want, right? Can you imagine what it would be like to have willpower to be able to say no to every single thing that you know isn't the best for you and the will to act on every single thing that is the best for you. Will is a tricky thing, so if you don't have enough will in a particular area, if your willpower is weak, then use somebody else's. For years, I worked out at this boxing gym with Frank Perez Jr., former pro boxer Frank Perez Jr., who would put me through these brutal old school <laughs> boxing workouts. He even had like these slogans, like lots of obviously pictures of Muhammad Ali on the wall, but he had these slogans on the, on the wall, like the more you sweat, the less you bleed, like that sort of stuff. And he would put me through the, these old school boxing workouts that would just leave me like bent over in the corner, like, please, no more. But what I always laugh about is Frank would be like, give me, give me 30 push-ups, and then I want you to punch the bag 100 times, and then give me 50 push-ups. And he'd be like, I, wait, what? And your just arms would feel like noodles, and then he'd be like, okay, dude, give me 100 sit-ups, and then I want you to crawl across the floor, and then he'd string a rope across the room, and you had to like do that thing where you duck. It was just brutal. And I'd always laugh because if I'm out working, <laughs> if I'm working out by myself, uh, and I was like, I'm gonna do some push-ups. As soon as the push-ups are hard, I'm like, eh, let's go to breakfast. Anybody like that? I just don't push myself when I'm all alone. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do 50 whatever. I'm gonna do 100 sit-ups and then 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups, and then I'll get to like 100 and maybe, I'll get to like 17 or 73 and be like, well, you know, I tried. But there's something about when you go and you have somebody telling you to do it, that you're like, oh, I got a 20? Okay, and then you actually push through to the 20. Maybe some of you aren't like that, I am. 
And what struck me over time is I used to joke with Frank Perez Jr., you know what, I like basically pay you for your will. <laughs> I'm basically paying like whatever your training rate is so that you can basically lend me your will because otherwise I'm not doing all of these numbers that you're asking me to do. Do 10 of these, do 20 of these, do 100 of these. If you don't have enough will on something, then ask somebody. Just tell them, this is my struggle. Can I text you a code word when I'm in trouble? Can I call you? And those of you in AA and NA and recovery movements, you know exactly what I'm talking about. First thing you do when you went to a meeting is you got phone numbers of people you could call when you're in trouble. When you were tempted to drink again, you have a bunch of numbers you can call and you can say, I'm in a bad place. And you have people who'd come over, they would sit with you, they'd stay on the phone with you. That's how it works. In some senses, you're saying, my will right now, uh, you know, on cell phone, when you're, when you're, reception will be like, I only have two bars right now. Sometimes your will, I only got one, I only got one bar right now. Uh, and you need somebody else. So whatever it is you're struggling with, by the way, if you have somebody who you trust, who you can say to them, listen, I, I need you because I am facing this battle. Whatever it is that you're like, but I would never tell something that I, buddy, that I struggle with that. Why? What do you think that they don't have something they struggle with? Everybody has things they struggle with. Everybody has areas where they'd like a little more willpower. And when you say, I'm really, I, I, I keep giving into this thing and to become everything I know I am to become, I need to leave it behind. And in those moments when I'm in the height of the like, ah, I'm about to give in, can I just give you a shout? And can you just like talk me off the ledge? You wouldn't believe and by the way, the people that you know that you think, oh, they don't struggle, everybody struggles. Everybody. This is one of the things that's interesting when you're a pastor. And for years, the number of people I've met with who you, on the outside, be like, man, it must be nice to have all your stuff together. And then you meet with them and you hear what they're struggling with. You're like, oh. So I've just learned over time, everybody has something. And then when you decide that you can pursue, that you are going to pursue your true self. And when you decide and when you become aware of the things in your life that you need to leave behind, this will always take you to another level of intentionality. It will always take you to another level of thought and intention and awareness. As my friend uh, Dan Klein says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And what happens as you grow in your faith, you grow in maturity, you grow in wisdom, you become more grounded and centered and courageous, you become more and more and more your true self as you become more and more and more intentional. So before, you probably would have just ridden with a bunch of people and you just go out and you would have hopped in their car and then whenever you got back to your car, that was when it was. But then later you begin to realize, wait, I need to get home at a certain time because I need to wake up at a certain time because I need to take care of myself. And so then you start realizing, actually, you'll just drive yourself so that you're not at the mercy of someone else. There's all these little moves, like if you're flying and you're going to have a layover and you know that that airport doesn't have any good restaurants and you know you're going to end up with Doritos because that's all that's going to be in that shop that also sells water, Coke, and People magazine. 
you just know over time, okay, if I'm flying and I'm going through that place and I have a layover and that, there aren't any places there, so I probably should bring some food or I'm gonna end up eating stuff that makes me feel like rubbish. Really, really small details, but remember, how you do anything is how you do everything. And you will notice that the people who are most thriving are way more intentional about their lives. They think through where they're headed that day, where they're going to be, they think through situations that they're going to be in where they previously would have given in to habits and behaviors that aren't the best. And they think, I'm not going to put myself in that situation again. Or if I know I'm going to end up in that situation, I'm going to have the tools at my disposal to get out of it well. If you sense that you were being invited to another level, it will always, always involve another level of intentionality because all the small moments add up to all the big moments. As Rumi wrote, if we are not together in the heart, what's the point? When body and soul are not dancing, there is no pleasure in colorful clothing. That's the thing that happens, isn't it? As something new gets birthed, you realize that your body and soul are not dancing and you would like them to dance. You want to be together in the heart and you realize, there's some things that I am doing now. There are some patterns, some habits, something that aren't the best. They're actually holding me back. And it's like this disruption in which all of a sudden a new vision is given to you about what your life could be. And that means you have to leave some things behind. There is something within us more powerful than our physical urges and desires. Your body and your physical urges and desires are something that is happening within the larger thing that we call you. There is something within us that links us to others. There is something within us that moves us to put others' well-being ahead of our own. There is something within us, a soul that soars and reflects the image of the divine and shines like a star in the universe. Your urges, cravings, and desires are a part of you, but they are not the last word about you. And the human story is this evolution that unfolds over literally millions of years in which humans keep discovering that we can live at an even higher plane than just satisfying whatever our latest urge, craving, or desire is. You can live according to a higher call, a higher standard. You can be guided by a greater light. You can do this. You can do this. And there's nothing cheesy about straightforward self-help. Sometimes you need voices in your head that just say, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. The thing that's got its hooks in you, that has had its hooks in you for so long, the voices in your head that tell you you're never going to be free from that, you can be free from that. The thing... The, the, the hole that you have stepped in time and time again to the point at which it's a rut, you don't have to step and fall into that hole again. That relationship that you keep coming back to, you don't have to come back to it. You can actually make a clean break. You can actually be free. You can have an explosion of imagination in which a whole new tomorrow unfolds that doesn't involve destructive, toxic, exhausting relationships, those uh, foods, habits, substances 
that you seem to always fall back on when everything gets stressful. You can learn new patterns and new habits, and you can celebrate another day clean and sober. You can step forward into a better future. This is possible. And so when people are like, I'm not into beliefs, beliefs don't matter, anybody can believe anything, actually, beliefs are incredibly important. They're like a nuclear reactor at the center of your being. And so perhaps you are in this place where you are digging down and realizing you don't believe that certain things are possible. And so we have to essentially do open heart surgery there. Do you believe that you can be free from whatever this craving, urge, longing, desire, thing, person, substance, experience is? Because you can. You can be free from that so that you can be everything you are here to be. May you, my brothers and sisters, may you be reminded that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and that joy and happiness have an infinite number of delivery systems. May you call out the lie of the craving that says you can only be happy if you have me. It's not true. May you be brought into a wide place, rescued from a narrow, cluttered, confined space. May you be brought into a wide space where all sorts of new things are possible. May you be reminded that there is something within you much more powerful, infinitely more powerful than whatever you happen to be craving in this current moment. And may you be everything you know you're here to be. And may grace and peace be with you.